Well, ooh, that's loud. Good evening. Welcome. It is great to see you tonight. Tonight, we are starting a new series. Uh, last week, Simon Duke finished off our series through the Gospel of John, which we'd been working on for a couple of years. It's now time for us to move to the Old Testament, but we're going to continue the J theme. Over the next couple of weeks, we're actually going to uh, explore the first couple of chapters of the book of Joshua. And I love the book of Joshua. I think that it's a great book. It's got some great memorable verses, things like be strong and courageous. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's got some of those great things to hold on to. But it's also this wonderful picture of a people who are stepping into who God has created them to be, who is stepping into the promises that he's had for them. And, and I just love that kind of thing. But this is also a book that's full of some passages and some stories, and Gavin and I were talking about them this week, that you just kind of go, what is up with that? How does that apply to us today? And the big kind of question that we've got as we're going to be heading through this series is we're looking at the story of a people living in the desert who are on mission. And we, today, are a people who are living in the desert and on mission. And so we're looking at what can we learn from these stories of Joshua? What can we learn from the stories of these Israelites way, way back that apply to us today? And I want to start at a very good place to start for that, which is the beginning. So Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I love the way that this book starts because right from the beginning we see one of the major themes of the book of Joshua and that is this is about change. This is about transition. This is about something different happening. It starts off right at the start, after the death of Moses. And God says to Joshua, now then, now that Moses is gone, now that there is this change happening, this is what's going to happen. This idea of change and transition is this essential part of this book. And it's a transition point in Scripture. We're moving from the Torah, the first five books, the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And now we're moving into the history or the prophets. We've got Joshua, and he's leading the people into the promised land. But this is also a book of transition for leadership. See, Moses was the one who led the Israelites out of Egypt. He took them out and he took them into the desert and under God's guidance, Moses was the one who formed them into a nation. Moses was the one who helped give them their sense of identity with God's leadership. And now that leadership is being handed on to the next generation. That leadership is transitioning to somebody new. And I think if you've ever been part of an organisation that has changed leadership, you know that that's often a little bit of a shaky time, a little bit of an uncertain time. These people are moving from waiting for the promise, this future hope, one day we're going to be moving to this land, 
to all of a sudden, hang on, now we've actually got to do something about it. Now we've actually got to step out and claim it ourselves. And we've got to do it without somebody who has always been there. As I was thinking about this passage and I was preparing, I was just thinking about what a weird mix of emotions these guys would have had. Because at the end of Deuteronomy, we know that they grieved Moses for 40 days. But in that 40 days, I reckon there were some of the Israelites who were starting to get a little bit excited because they realised Moses is gone. And now's the time that we're going to be entering the promised land. There was this weird mix of excitement and grief. Fear at what's going to come next, but also hope at what the future holds. And I don't know about you, but I can relate to those kind of emotions. I mean, I, I was kind of reflecting, uh, been reflecting the last couple of weeks. It's actually been a year since I found out about the job here at ASBC. I, I have been in transition for a year. And so I understand that mix of emotions, the the highs and the lows and just the uncertainty that goes with it. And so as I look at the Israelites at the start of the book of Joshua, as they are about to enter into transition, as they are about to enter into change, I can relate to that. And I don't know about you, but I know that in the middle of change, it kind of feels a little bit uncertain. It kind of feels like, have you guys ever seen the slack wires? At the campsite I used to run, we had a slack wire on our high ropes course and when you were at the start, it was really easy and you thought, well, why did everybody have all this trouble? And then you get into the middle and the wire starts moving a lot and that's where everybody fell because you had nothing to hold on to. There was nothing solid around you. And often as we head into change and as we head into transition, that's what it can feel like. Whether it is the transition that comes from a new leader entering into a space. Maybe you are that new leader and you're kind of like, well, what am I meant to do here? I'm looking around at a lot of faces and knowing that there are a lot of people who have moved here to Alice Springs. And I'm sure that you can relate to that feeling of what's it going to be like when I move there, when I enter into that space? Because it's different. It's new. It's unusual. I don't know what it's going to hold. You know, we face change in so many areas of our life. Maybe it's the transition to a new life stage. It's time to retire. What am I meant to do without work, this massive part of my life? How am I meant to interact with people? I know that that's something that my dad's working through at the moment. Mum's keen for him to retire, Dad, not so much. It's a challenge. It's a wrestle. It's a transition. Or maybe it's just, you're an adult now. How does that change the way that you relate to the people around you? How does that change the way that you relate to your family? How, do you, how does it change the fact that you feel like you'd not, you shouldn't actually be trusted out by yourself, but you are? It's all of that. See, we know what transition feels like. We know what change feels like and how uncertain everything is. And what I love about Joshua chapter 1 is that we see some key ideas in here of what we are meant to do in change. 
God knew that these Israelites were about to be heading out into the middle of that slack wire and that they were going to reach a point where they were very uncertain, where they had nothing to hold on to, where they had nothing that they knew. And so he's basically saying to them, here are some ways that you can deal with this. So let's continue to read from verse 3. I, this is God, will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous, just to change things up a little bit. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I love this passage. You know, I love a lot of passages in the Bible. Every time you hear me preach, you probably hear me say I love this. But the Bible is there to be loved. But I love, what I love about this passage is God is giving some very clear ideas to the Israelites. When everything around you is uncertain, when nothing seems to be working, here is what I want you to do. And the very first thing he does is he says to Joshua, here are my promises. Here are things that you can hold on to because God wants us to cling to his promises. He wants us to hold on to the promises that he's given us. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. You will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He repeats all these promises. He reminds Joshua and the people of all these things because he knows that they're about to head out into change. He knows that they're about to head out into the unknown and the uncertain and so he wants to give them something to cling to. He wants them to give them something to hold on to, something that they can trust. But as he gives them these promises, what he's also doing is he's reminding them of his role in those promises because all those promises... It's God who is going to do the giving. It is God who is the one who is preparing the way ahead. It's God who is promising to never leave or forsake us. He's promising to stay close and near us. He's reminding us in all of that that he is the one who is in control. See, God's reminding these people that he is trustworthy. That even though everything else might be uncertain, he is someone and something 
that we can cling to, that we can hold on to. And you know, for me, this idea of the promises of God is something that is so important for me. This is something that I have used so often in my faith to just remember these promises. But we have to be careful. Because one of the first lessons that you ever learn at Bible college is that the Bible was written first and foremost to a specific people in a specific context in a specific time. Because there was that lovely Joshua 1 verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot. Unfortunately, I can't claim that promise. I can't go and visit my friend Scott and walk into his house and go, ooh, this is a nice house. I'm going to walk all around this house and then I'm going to claim this promise and say that God's given me this house. Because I can tell you pretty quickly, Scott's going to kick me out. And probably not in a nice way. Maybe in a nice way. If I refuse to leave, it's a really good way to get arrested. We can't just claim every promise because not all of them are written to us. But there are so many promises in Scripture that speak of God's character. There are promises that speak of who God is and what he's wanting to do for us. There are promises that speak of the Christian journey and of the Christian hope. And when I was going through high school and college, one of the things that I really struggled with was the idea of I'm not good enough for God to love me. I'm not good enough for him to care about me because I keep making mistakes. I keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. And when I was in that place, I found the verse Romans 5.8 and it says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is a promise that I cling to. This is a promise that I hold on to almost every day and I remind myself of it regularly because I need to be reminded God's love for me is not based off my actions. God's love for me is not based off how good I am. If you read more around that passage, you'll see that it actually says, while we were God's enemies, he loved us. It's a promise that I cling to when everything is uncertain. You know, Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 to 23 is another great one. It says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. It's a promise that I hold on to that one day, one day there is going to be this incredible moment in heaven. We don't need the sun because all that we need is going to come from God. We live at the moment in this time of transition. We live in the moment at this time of in the now and the not yet. But I love the beauty of that Revelation verse because it points to the hope of what's to come and it's something that I cling on to. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, 
that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on until the completion in the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. God is not going to give up on us. He's not going to get bored of us, but he's going to keep forming us into his image. When everything around me is changing, when everything around me is uncertain, those are the promises that I cling to. They are the things that give me hope because they are solid. They are certain. They speak of God's goodness and his faithfulness and his character and the fact that he is unchanging. And I hold to that. I cling to that. And so... If you're in that place of change, if you're in that place of transition, if you're feeling like there is nothing certain around you, what promises of God do you need to claim? What promises of God do you need to hold on to and do you need to cling on to? So that's the first thing. Cling to the promises of God. The second thing that I see in this passage is that God encourages Joshua and the people in verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. First thing that God wants us to do is to cling to his promises. The second is to cling to the word of God. Even though everything around you might be changing, cling to God's word. Why? Well, first off, it's where you're going to find his promises. So it's going to help you with the first thing. So it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to meditate on it, to to reflect on it, to remember it. But the book of the law was what helped give the Israelite people their identity. It told of their story. It told of who they were and who they are. It told of the fact that they were the people of God. Because through the book of the law, they were able to see the story about how God chose them and has been faithful to them through the generations. Through the book of the law, it told them about their purpose, that they were meant to be a light to the nations. They were meant to be an example to the nations around them because God was calling them to be different. God was calling them to be holy, to be set apart, to be a priesthood. The book of the law was what told the Israelite people that they were God's chosen people. It formed their identity. It shaped their identity. And so God is telling them, keep thinking about it. Keep meditating on it. Do the things that are in it because it is going to form your identity. It is going to give you something solid, even though there might be uncertainty around you. And I love Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, because it says, we are therefore... Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are God's people. We are chosen by God. We are called to be a light to the people, to be ambassadors. This 
is our identity. This is who we are. And so we need to cling to God's word so that we understand what that means and what that looks like. But the other thing about the book of the law is it gave the Israelite people rituals. It gave them uh, festivals and sacrifices and things that they would regularly go through that would refocus their hearts and their minds on God. And I love that tonight, as a church family, no matter what has been going on in your weeks, no matter what is going on in your world, we have all had the opportunity to come and to meet together and to just stop and to share in communion and to refocus on something that is solid in our lives, to refocus on God, to reorient our minds and our hearts. Because if you've ever tried to have a conversation with a mum at a playground or a play centre, or any parent actually, it doesn't have to be a mum, if you've ever tried to have a conversation with a parent at a play centre, you know that you're not going to be able to have a deep conversation with them. Because halfway through a conversation, you're going to just watch their face go, yep, I've still got the five that I came with. Not always certain. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you end up with extras. Because our brains and our minds are attracted to movement. Our brains and our minds are attracted to motion. We look at motion first. I was having a conversation with somebody this morning and one of the projectors dropped out and I noticed my head just went... Because I'm attracted to motion. I'm going to focus my attention there. And so when our lives are in change, when everything is changing around us and everything is action around us, we need the Word of God, rituals, church, communion, these things that will actually capture our attention and refocus it back. There's a step there. Refocus it back on what doesn't move and what doesn't change, which is God. And then we continue in verses 6 to 7. It says, Be strong and courageous because you will lead the people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. I don't think that you're actually allowed to preach on Joshua 1 without talking about be strong and courageous. I'm pretty sure I remember that from one of my lessons in Bible college. It's like a law or something. But I love this idea of be strong and courageous. And in all of chapter 1, it is repeated four times. Three times, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous, be strong and courageous. And once do the people say it back to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And I, and I kind of love this phrase because there is so much tied up in it. Because when God says it to Joshua, he's actually using it as a reminder. 
You can be strong and courageous because I'm already going ahead of you. You can be strong and courageous because I am doing the work and I am preparing the way and I'm going ahead. It's this reminder to him. But also within this call, this rallying cry, there's a reminder of the past. Because the Israelite people were preparing to enter the promised land another time. And 12 spies went out and two spies came back and said, we can do it, God's on our side, we're going to be able to do it. And 10 said, no, 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 we're not going to be able to do this. They are so big and scary and huge. We're scared. And so when God speaks this to Joshua, when the people speak this to each other, they are reminding themselves, let's not make the same mistakes. This time, we are going to be strong and courageous. It's a reminder of the past and an encouragement to do better. But I love, what I love most about this phrase is I love the fact that it was spoken by the people to Joshua. Because this phrase became a way that they could encourage one another. A way that they could speak truth into one another's lives. And if you do a search for this phrase, you'll see that it appears in Deuteronomy. Moses spoke it to the people in, at the end of Deuteronomy. It's here in Joshua. And then David uses it as he's handing over the kingdom to Solomon. Be strong and courageous. It's this echo back to here and to this period of change and to move forward despite the change. But I love it because it's this call in amongst change and in amongst uncertainty that we need to strengthen and encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. We are called to speak truth into each other's lives. We are called to speak life and truth into each other, to encourage one another, to build each other up. And when everything is uncertain, sometimes, sometimes having somebody come alongside you to say, hey, God is with you in this. To speak the truth of who God is, it reminds us of where we need to cling to. And it's something that we as the church can do to support each other. Because we know that we are all going through change. And if we're not going through change at the moment, we know that change is coming. Because life is full of change. But Joshua chapter 1 gives us this beautiful idea of what we're meant to do. We need to cling to the promises of God. We need to cling to his word and we need to encourage and build up one another. And so as you go out into your weeks today, which of those three things do you need to cling to yourself? Which of those three truths do you need to go, that's what I need to work on? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, 
I thank you for your word. I thank you that all scripture is useful and it is God-breathed. And Lord, I want to just say thank you for the book of Joshua, for the lessons that it offers us as your people today. But Lord God, I want to especially thank you for the way that you spoke to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, the way that you encouraged him and the people, the way that you gave them ways to deal with that change and that uncertainty. And Lord, we thank you that even though everything around us might be changing, you are unchanging. You are solid. You are something that we can cling to. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to cling to you in everything that we do. Lord, help us to just know you and cling to you always. All these things we pray in your name. Amen.